there, and welcome to In My Words, Jumo's podcast series that brings the experiences of real patients directly to you. At Jumo, we provide resources for children and families to understand, manage, and own their health. Sign up for free at jumohealth.com. Support for this episode comes from Novo Nordisk, the maker of Novo 8, anti-hemophilic factor recombinant. What is Novo 8? Novo 8, anti-hemophilic factor recombinant, is an injectable medicine used to control and prevent bleeding in people with hemophilia A. Your healthcare provider may give you Novo 8 when you have surgery. Novo 8 is not used to treat von Willebrandt disease. Important safety information. Who should not use Novo 8? You should not use Novo 8 if you are allergic to Factor 8 or any of the other ingredients of Novo 8 or if you are allergic to hamster proteins. You can find full prescribing information at www.novo8.com and hear important safety information at the end of this episode and in the show notes. Hi everyone, and thanks for tuning in. For today's episode, the Jumo crew packed up our bags and drove down to Maryland, where we met with a man named Vaughn Ripley. Vaughn has been living with hemophilia since he was an infant and with HIV since he was a teen. Now at the age of 51, he has a wife and two kids. We are so excited to share Vaughn's story because it's one of resilience and of inspiration. Vaughn mentions later in this episode that his mom basically bubble-wrapped him when he was younger. And for those of our listeners who don't know what hemophilia is, here's why. Hemophilia is a medical condition in which the blood has trouble clotting. This causes a person to bleed longer than normal after an injury. Think about falling and scraping your knee. For people with normal blood clotting, it shouldn't take too long for the scrape to stop bleeding. For someone with hemophilia, it can take much longer. There are different severities of hemophilia and different types as well. What can be especially dangerous about hemophilia is that many times bleeds happen inside the body where you can't see them. While most parents worry about their children getting hurt to some degree, Vaughn's mom had more of a reason to worry. However, this didn't stop Vaughn from finding activities that were safe, healthy, and right for him. We spent the first day in Maryland getting to know the Ripley family on the banks of the Potomac River. Vaughn showed us some of the things he does to maintain this active lifestyle, like biking, camping, kayaking, and swimming. And that's the way that Vaughn has chosen to live his life. It's all about health. We got a first-hand look at this the next day when our crew showed up at Vaughn's house at 8 a.m. We were greeted by the smell of freshly brewed coffee, and not just any coffee. This was Bulletproof Coffee, one of Vaughn's specialties that's a blend of coffee, brain octane oil, cinnamon, and some pure Irish butter. As the crew unpacked for the video portion of the interview, Vaughn and I sat down, bulletproofs in hand, to chat about his journey with hemophilia up until now. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me who you are and about your family. I'm Vaughn Ripley, and I live in Brunswick, Maryland with my family, my wife, Christine, and my kids, Trinity and Xander. And what do you guys like to do together as a family? We love doing all kinds of things, including pretty much everything outdoors is our thing, but we also love music and board games. And we were with you yesterday and we saw that you guys really like to spend time outside. So do you go camping a lot? Do you go kayaking? What do you guys like to do? We love the river, so definitely uh, kayaking and swimming and things like that, but we also like to bike and hike. Camping is a big thing for us and it allows us to do all of those things. Vaughn has been living with hemophilia his whole life. 
His diagnosis story goes back to the 60s when the treatment for and management of hemophilia was much different than it is now. So I was born in 1967 with mild type A hemophilia. And we didn't know that I had hemophilia when I was first born. We didn't know that it was in the family. When I was a baby and my umbilical cord fell off, it kept bleeding. And the doctors thought that was suspicious, but they didn't worry too much about it. And then a few months later, I had my adenoids removed and it wouldn't stop bleeding. So they had to use silver nitrate to curb the bleeding. And at that point, that's when they gave me the test and found out that I had hemophilia. And so up until that point, no one in your family had ever been diagnosed with hemophilia before? No, there were definitely uh, uh, uncles and cousins that thought that they had some kind of bleeding problem, but nobody had ever been diagnosed at that point. And so how did your family react to your diagnosis? What does your mom or your dad tell you about that time? I remember that mom was really torn about it, and she had a hard time knowing that it was something that was genetically passed on by her. Hemophilia is an X-linked recessive disorder, which means that the gene associated with hemophilia is located on the X sex chromosome. Remember that all people have two sex chromosomes. Female have two Xs, males have an X and a Y. That X chromosome in males is always passed down from their mothers. And if that X chromosome has the hemophilia gene, the son will have hemophilia. So once you were old enough to start understanding what it meant to have hemophilia, how did that affect your childhood and growing up? It was definitely tough. A lot of times uh, being told that I couldn't play the games or the sports that my friends were playing. Uh, there were a few times when I remember sitting on the sofa with my leg elevated and icing my knee and looking out the window and seeing my friends playing outside. And so that, that was definitely a tough situation for me. Over time, though, I, I got pretty used to having a bleeding disorder. What kind of activities did you like to do as a kid? Well, I wanted to do the normal things. I wanted to play soccer and maybe even football, but obviously I wasn't allowed to do those things. So I got really into reading and swimming and other things along that line. My parents wanted me to try golf, but I never really got into that. And were your parents pretty protective of the things that you did? Yeah, dad not so much. Mom, we used to call it the bubble wrap. She basically kept me in my bubble wrap as a kid and tried to protect me, you know, at a higher level than what you see. Obviously, mom tends to be protective, but she was definitely at a higher level of protection. And how did that change as you got older and became a teenager? She wasn't around as much because I was out and about. So I started down a rebellious path, if you will, and started doing things maybe that Mom wouldn't have approved of, but I did them because I was away at friends' houses or things like that. So it definitely changed a little bit. It altered the way that I was, uh, I was acting. Vaughn grappled with typical teenage angst and rebellion, but with the added complexity of becoming an adult while managing a chronic condition. And then something happened. So my family doctor called me and my parents into his office and essentially told me that I had contracted the HIV. And almost in the same breath, he then told me that I had fewer than two years to live. Wow. So what was going through your mind at that time? At the moment, I, I'm not really sure. I mean, I really kind of just, I don't know, for lack of a better word, I wigged out. I, I didn't understand anything that was going on around me. I could see my mom crying and my dad just sitting there stoically. And I guess in my mind, it was surreal. 
Like, is this really happening to me or am I watching this happen to somebody else? After this devastating news, Vaughn spiraled into a dark place. He struggled with substance abuse and even thoughts of suicide. He struggled with everything because he assumed what the doctor told him was true, that he only had two years to live. This was 1986, during the height of the AIDS epidemic that lasted through the 80s and early 90s. Only a fraction of what is now known about HIV and AIDS was known at this time. Thousands were getting sick and dying before the disease even had a name. No one knew how the disease was transmitted, so thousands of people with hemophilia and other health conditions received blood products that were contaminated with HIV. Infected individuals were feared, shunned, and avoided. How did you get out of that dark place? Fortunately for me, my girlfriend at the time, uh, she's now my wife, Christine, she was there for me and she supported me through a lot of the, the struggle that I was having. And together we worked our way out of it. And basically it was a, a there was a single point where I asked myself a question. And usually I think that the questions that we ask ourselves are what affect our lives. And that question that I asked myself was, if I'm not going to die in the two years that I was told that I would die in, is this the way that I want to lead my life? And I knew the answer to that question was no. And so what did you start doing at that point? What changed? Well, obviously, the first thing that I had to do was I had to get past the depressing moments. I had to get past the the thoughts and the struggles that I was dealing with. But I also wanted to improve my health because knowing that I was dealing with uh, hemophilia and HIV, I I knew that I needed to have a healthy structure to carry me through this. And if I was going to last for a long time, then I was going to need to have fitness incorporated in my life, a healthy diet, and do the things that I should be doing anyway. And so that's what he did. Vaughn started with lifting weights as his first foray into a healthier lifestyle. He started with lighter loads and worked his way up, incorporating different types of activities into his routine. As we heard earlier, Vaughn now has a pretty varied workout routine in and outside of the gym, including biking, kayaking, and jogging. While this is right for Vaughn, you should always consult your healthcare provider before beginning any new exercise program. Living with a chronic condition such as hemophilia is challenging. It's normal to experience a wide range of emotions that can vary from day to day. Remember that there are other people going through similar experiences. You are not alone. Along with your own healthcare team and network of family and friends, there are also support groups there to help you. Groups like the National Hemophilia Foundation and Hemophilia Federation of America can be great resources for those looking to get more involved in the hemophilia community. Did you know anyone else with hemophilia? Any friends or peers, older people? I had several friends when I was a kid with hemophilia, but all of they, they all passed away during the uh, HIV problem that, that happened in the 80s. I'm sorry to hear that. And so did you meet anyone else as you got older that you were able to connect with and relate to? Yeah. And the funny thing is, I thought that the community was gone. I mean, heck, I thought I was gone. So I kind of just assumed that there was no hemophilia community out there anymore. I shared my story in 2010 and Barry Hardy found me online and he was already well ingrained with the community. And he basically encouraged me and also mentored me and helped me to get back involved with the community. For those that don't know, Barry Hardy was a well-known advocate in the hemophilia community. Great. So you're super involved with the community still today. So what kind of things do you do and what events do you go to? I work with our local chapter, but then I also travel the country uh, doing speeches and things like that. I encourage the, the youth. 
I also go on uh, events with the different hemophilia chapters, and I work at the national level doing uh, inspirational speeches at their events. And so how do you feel about the community today? Do you think that kids are inspired? Is it a lot different from when you were a child? I think the community's thriving. And I think that uh, definitely there's a level of inspiration that you didn't see from my generation. Maybe some of it comes from the fact that modern medicine allows them to you know, have a lot more freedom with the things that they're doing. So the sentiment in the community is a lot different. And like you said, modern medicine has helped to transform that. What was it like when you were a kid? So first, we couldn't keep the medicine at home. So we weren't self-infusing. You had to travel to the hospital to get the medicine. And my local hospital didn't carry it. So we had to travel two cities away to get to an emergency room that had the product that I needed. And once we got there, you know, I mean, just like everybody else, you have to wait in the waiting room. Even once the doctor got there and he had prescribed my medicine, we still had to wait because the, the factor product, the plasma, was frozen back then. So they had to thaw it. And that took quite some time. And then once the product was ready for me, you took it through an IV, just like you do today, except it was in a big drip bag. And it dripped one drip every like two seconds. So it was a prolonged process to get the factor. And it ended up taking between eight and 10 hours uh, for each trip. And usually with an incident, you needed two or three days worth of factor. So you can imagine that's three full days of being at the hospital. And so how's that changed to how your treatment is now? I mean, it's like night and day, basically going through that scenario of the, the time that it took to, to do this at the emergency room to now having my product at home with me or being able to take it with me on the go and being able to inject in a matter of minutes as opposed to eight hours, it's a tremendous difference and it's unbelievable. It's, I almost can't remember what it was like taking all that long time. So over the course of your life, would you say that you've tried a lot of different treatments for hemophilia? Yeah, definitely at different stages. I've probably tried every product that was available depending on the emergency room that I went to. What treatment are you taking now? I take Novo8. It's an injectable medicine that's used to control and prevent bleeding in people with hemophilia A. How long have you been taking Novo8? I've been taking it for about three years. Just after the clinical trials ended, I knew that it matched nicely with my active lifestyle. And so I talked with my physician and I also talked with my family and we decided that it was a good choice. So what are some of the things about Novo8 that you like? Because I love being outdoors, I'd rather not have to carry a cooler and ice and things like that with me. So one of the most important things for me is the fact that I can bring my Novo 8 out with me up to 104 degrees. For our listeners' information, Novo 8 can be stored up to 86 degrees Fahrenheit for up to 12 months or at up to 104 degrees Fahrenheit for up to three months before reconstituting. However, be careful where you store Novo 8 and make sure it's stored under 104 degrees. So are there any other factor eight medicines or products out there that can be kept at temperatures that high? I know that there's no other factor eight product that's available that can go for higher than 86 degrees. Yeah, and especially living here in Maryland. I mean, we were out yesterday with you and your family and it was 95 degrees, it was sweltering. So that must bring you peace of mind knowing that you can travel and have that flexibility. Yeah, it's a, it's a relief. I mean, it never even is a factor anymore, <laughs> no pun intended. So when we were out yesterday, did you have your Novo 8 with you? 
I did. I mean, it didn't even hit maybe 95 degrees, which most people would think is really high, but I had no concerns at all. So it was with us and it was not in a cooler. So the fact that you can store Novo 8 up to 104 degrees for up to three months, how does that fit into the lifestyle that you like to live and the activities that you like to do? Well, depending on what I'm doing, like if we're going camping or hiking, you really, the, the weight that you carry with you is a huge factor. So you're thinking about things and having to have a cooler with ice is adds a lot of weight and there's also some bulk associated with that. And now that I can keep it up to 104 degrees, I know that it's fine in my pack without having that. So I, I think that it's, uh, it's impacted it, it definitely in a positive way. Just as a reminder, Novo 8 can be stored at 104 degrees for up to three months. Please be sure to plan accordingly. And something that people with hemophilia A have to deal with is reconstituting their factor and use it within a certain amount of time. Yeah, exactly. And so basically after it's been reconstituted, Novo 8 at uh, up to 86 degrees, I can keep it for four hours. So if I forgot something that I need to do before uh, using the factor, I'm comfortable knowing that it's fine for those four hours. And does the same rule apply for up to 104 degrees? The 104 degrees allows it for up to two hours. Has this helped you in any way? It's huge for me. There's definitely times when you have life interrupts and knowing that you have that comfort level there, that time freedom available to you, that makes a huge difference for me. When we were out yesterday and we were talking with your family, you mentioned a few things that you have coming up. Can you tell us about your bike ride that you have coming up as well as these camping trips with your son? Sure. I, I've got a, a number of campouts that we'll be doing with the Boy Scouts. All throughout the fall, we do camping. And I also do a few long bike rides. This is the season for doing long bike rides, especially uh, as the, the weather's nice. Again, I fall back on the fact that uh, despite it being hot out, I'm comforted by the fact that I can bring my medicine with me without worrying about, is it going to be too warm for it? How do you think that having this extra flexibility would have changed your life as a child? How do you think it would have helped you? Being able to spend time at home while I took my medicine as opposed to being away for a full day at a time or something at the hospital, obviously that's, that's a big uh, thing for me. But at the same time, it also might be a lot easier on my parents because they're having to go through all of this too, even though they're not the ones actually dealing with the hemophilia specifically, but they're going through everything that I'm going through by being there with me. You know, thinking back on your childhood and now being a father yourself and going out to these events where you speak to parents of newly diagnosed kids, what is your advice to parents? My advice to parents is to not be too protective and allow your kids to live life in a safe way. What is your advice to young kids who might be struggling with the fact that they can't play football or can't play basketball or have super protective parents who are very worried about them being hurt and getting a bleed? The first thing that I would say is having a hemophilia diagnosis is not the end of the world. Obviously, there are things that we need to be responsible about or safe about, but at the same time, you can lead your life like a normal person. I say, go out there and live your life, but just understand that there's repercussions for the choices that you make and do it responsibly. That's great. Great words to live by. 
Thank you so much, Vaughn. I appreciate it so much, you talking with us today. And you know, you've overcome so much living with a chronic condition and making healthier lifestyle choices than I think a lot of people without hemophilia live. Thank you very much for having me out. I appreciate it. And it's an honor to be here. A quick but important message to the audience. Please remember to consult with your healthcare team before starting any exercise plan or physical activities. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of In My Words. If you're interested in seeing Vaughn and his family in action, check out a video featuring Vaughn and his experience with Novo 8. The link to the video can be found in the show notes of this episode. We'd like to thank Vaughn for welcoming us into his home and for sharing his story and a great cup of coffee. This podcast and the information provided is not to replace clinical therapy and treatment. If you are in a crisis and need immediate help, call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room. Thanks again to our sponsor for today's episode, Novo Nordisk, the maker of Novo 8. Keep listening for the important safety information. What is the most important information I need to know about Novo 8? Do not attempt to do an infusion yourself unless you have been taught how by your healthcare provider or hemophilia center. Call your healthcare provider right away and stop treatment if you get any of the following signs of an allergic reaction. Rashes or hives, difficulty breathing or swallowing, tightness of the chest, swelling of the lips and tongue, lightheadedness, dizziness or loss of consciousness, pale and cold skin, fast heartbeat, or red or swollen face or hands. What should I tell my healthcare provider before using Novo 8? Before taking Novo 8, you should tell your healthcare provider if you have or have had any medical conditions. Take any medicines, including non-prescription medicines and dietary supplements. Are nursing, pregnant, or planning to become pregnant? Or have been told that you have inhibitors to factor 8? Your body can make antibodies called inhibitors against Novo 8, which may stop Novo 8 from working properly. Call your healthcare provider right away if your bleeding does not stop after taking Novo 8. What are the possible side effects of Novo 8? Common side effects of Novo 8 include inhibitors in patients who were not previously treated with Factor 8 products, swelling or itching at the location of injection, and fever. Please visit www.novo8.com for prescribing information or call 1-800-727-6500. Novo 8 is a prescription medication. You are encouraged to report negative side effects of prescription drugs to the FDA. Visit www.fda.gov medwatch or call 1-800-FDA-1088. Thanks for listening. Interested in hearing something special or want us to help share your story? Reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time. The health information contained in this podcast is provided for educational purposes only and is not intended to replace discussions with a healthcare provider. In My Words is produced in New York City and distributed worldwide. In My Words, a Jumo production.